welcome to our 11 o'clock service. My name's Colton, and I am the intern pastor here at Connection. Uh, I thank you guys for coming and joining our family today, uh, that we can just be here together and just... So, uh, I want to make a quick reminder that next week is uh, daylight savings time, so we get to lose an hour of sleep, which is awful, <laughs> but uh, make sure on Saturday to set your clocks an hour forward, and, uh, or you might be a little bit late in here. Um, so, i got a quick question for you guys. You don't have to answer it out loud. I just want you to think about it. Have you ever been in a place or a situation that God doesn't seem to be there? Have you ever been to a point, maybe you've lost a job that maybe wasn't your fault, but, um, or maybe you've been praying for something and you don't ever get an answer back? Does that mean God's not listening? Does that mean God doesn't care? I don't think so. But, I know I've been in that situation. Even though I want to sit, tell myself, I want to say, especially to people, I want to show, show that I'm big and strong and I can, I've never had that problem. But, I have, and I've been to a situation where like, I have to think about God, but my pride, my pride will still wants to say, no, I always uh, get answer from God, or uh, I know when he's keeping things away from me for certain reasons. But there's times that, many of times, that I've just been in a place where I just, it just seemed like God wasn't, didn't care about me. But, just because God doesn't answer my, all my prayers doesn't mean that he doesn't care for me doesn't mean he's not helping me either. Just because he doesn't answer the prayers like I want them to be done does not mean he's not there. We're going to be looking at a guy in the Bible that was really close to Jesus that's kind of got, was in the same situation. He just didn't think God cared about him or that Jesus cared about him. Uh, if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 6, it'll be on the screen here in a little bit. We're not there yet. Um, so, uh, while you're turning there, I want to give a little bit of background of what, what we're going to go over. Uh, we're going to be looking at the end of John the Baptist's life, right before he gets put to death. Um, so, John the Baptist got put in prison by King Herod. King Herod put him in prison because... John called him out on something and he didn't like it, is basically what it comes down to. So King Herod had divorced his wife and got married to his brother's ex-wife. Uh, so that's a big no-no, even in today's time. Like, that makes uh, families, gatherings a little awkward. But uh, they got married and John hollered out at them it was, and claimed that they broke the law and was calling for a punishment, a consequence for breaking the law. And this law that they broke comes all the way back from 
the law of Moses, like the one that Moses wrote back in Leviticus, even. Like, so it strings back a long way, and they try, the law was everything in that time. They didn't have Jesus yet. Jesus was still alive, so he hadn't been, hadn't killed, been put to death and raised back up. So we're still on the old covenant. We're still trying. We're still live, living by that law. That's the only law that we had at that. They had at that point. So, but so John's calling them out, and Herod's wife Herodias. I really hope that it, she was that beautiful and not like compared to her name, because her name doesn't imply that at all. But King Herod married Herodias, and Herodias really didn't like John the Baptist because she called he, she did not like being called out when she was wrong, and it was quite obvious. He she wanted him put in jail or put to death right off right off the bat, but King Herod knew that. If he did, there might be an uprising from the people because the people looked at John as a major prophet. They they wanted they thought he was the man. He was he was there. He was a man of God. So uh, so instead he he saved saved John and put him in prison. And not only did he just put him in prison, but he actually went and talked to John a lot. Him and John probably came pretty close. Why they're why he was in uh, prison because they believed that King Herod was even struggling with some of the things that John had been telling him because it's I think it was because he's telling him what he's doing wrong and when you're doing something wrong you got to change right and we all love to change no <laughs> no <laughs> I like my like my comfort zone but he was getting called out to being changed. And that's where we'll uh, pick up here in a minute. But your, your worship handout that you got probably when you came in the door, uh, if you want to turn to the middle page there, it uh, has some blanks on it. And we're going to fill out one. So the first one comes up. Uh, it says, God doesn't do what we think is best. He knows the whole plan and follows the correct path. So... Do we always feel like God's doing the best thing? No. I want to argue with God a lot on things. Sometimes I'm praying and it feels like my prayers don't get out of this room or out of the room, period. just hits the ceiling, comes right back down at me. But does that mean God isn't listening to us? Does that mean he doesn't hear our prayers when he doesn't answer them? No, he's, he's there. He's there listening. And a lot of times, he is answering our prayers, just not in the way that we want to look for him. We want him to be like a genie. And what we pray for, he, we want him to give it to us right off the bat. It's like, oh, here, thanks. But a lot of times, he teaches us how to get there. And he puts people in our life that we have to look for. Sometimes he uses his word that we have to read and really think about what we're praying about and see if it actually should fit his path that he wants us to be on. And sometimes it's taking looking at like a mentor or a, fr a friend that's seeking God just as much as you are. Or maybe staying connected in your connect groups or at Celebrate Recovery or whatever it is. We have to stay 
there. And if we don't do that, we try to put it up on our shoulders, right? We're like, oh, we can manhandle it through, and it'll be all right. But does that always work out? Right, it doesn't. A lot of times when I rely on myself to get, get through something, through a situation, I fail miserably. And I, it becomes awful. It twists itself into something that wasn't what it meant to be. So we'll, go, we'll start into Mark chapter 6, verse 17 is where we're going to pick up at. It says, For Herod had sent soldiers to arrest and imprison John as a favor to Herodias. So they're newlyweds here. And she doesn't like John at all. And she wants him dead. So he's the king, so he has to show off, right? He has to act like he's, he's the man. And he has to make his wife happy. So he just has her. He sends out a guy to go get them. Get John and put him in prison. But it says uh, she had been his brother Philip's wife. But Herod had married her. Again, this was against the law that they, mar- they married. And so, in turn, they're thinking that they're above the law, right? But he's the king. He thinks he's the law. And whatever he does is right. Which is not the case. Along 18, it says, John had been telling Herod, it's against the law for you to marry your brother's wife. So Herod- uh, Herodias bore a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. So, where we would just like to sever a relationship a lot of time, when we, when we think we're right and someone else is wrong, we are, we're sometimes we're willing to sever a relationship or a really close f- friendship just so we're not proved wrong. Well, she is in power, and she can have anything done she wants. So, where we would just sever a relationship, she's like going to take it a step further and wants to have him killed. So, but without Herod's approval, she was powerless. For Herod respected, I think it wasn't so much respect at the time when he got, then feared him more than anything. But Herod respected John, and knowing that he was a good and holy man, he protected him. So, I've been in Herodias' place before. You know, I was, can't, I would break a relationship just so I'm not wrong. I don't want to deal with that person. I don't want to deal, they can just stay out of my life as long as they don't call me out. But, and if they do tend to call call me out still after I told them to go away, then they handle it wrong. And so it's their fault still, you know. I always want to place the blame on someone else. Back in high school, when I was in high school, my freshman and sophomore year, I was not, not the best kid. Got myself into trouble, and I really broke the trust of my dad and my stepmom. It wasn't a good time. And if I was really honest with you guys, I didn't just break it. I crushed it over and over and over again. But without that, I wouldn't have got there. But... He, but when I broke that relationship, broke that trust, there was consequences for it. At the time, I thought it was probably one of the worst things in the world for it, what they did. But I had to move. I had to move out to my. I had to move to my mom's. 
Was it a bad thing? No, but it wasn't exactly what I wanted either. And I blamed them for the whole problem. The whole problem was their fault. And for a long time, I didn't, that, that was it. If they would have caught the signs earlier or they would have uh, loved me more or whatever it was, whatever they, it was their fault. And they handled it wrong. And it severed a relationship for several years over it. But I had to, so like Herodias, I was holding a grudge against them. And they, they were good parents. They did love me. They did take care of me. And yes, could, could have they done things different? Yes. But there's consequences for things that I did wrong, which is fine. But let's see how John's handling it in uh, being in prison. In Matthew chapter 11, you can just look on the screen. It'll save a little time so we don't have to flip back and forth here. Uh, it says, John the Baptist, again, the, uh, before I, we get going any farther, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. So they're, they're pretty tight. So who was in prison, heard about all the things that the Messiah was doing. So he's sitting in prison. Disciples come, and they're telling, look what Jesus is doing. He's doing all this, and he's just kind of getting upset, you know, his family is just, it's not, Jesus didn't even come see him. He sent his disciples to go see him. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like he didn't even care at all. And he kind of gets tunnel vision and just looks at, look, where are my problems? You're looking at, you're missing my problems, Jesus. You're, you need to come help me. So, he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah that we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Well, he's doubting his faith here at this point. He's questioning if Jesus is the Messiah at all. And we already know, if you know any part of the story, in the, like when John baptized Jesus, he already said that he was the one to come. Jesus is the one. So it's not that he didn't know already that Jesus was the Messiah. He just was doubting his own faith in it. So, but, do you blame him? It's his cousin is just leaving him in jail and not even coming to see him. And back then they thought the Messiah was supposed to be the one that come and take over the whole, whole world. Like, overthrow the Roman government and everything. Like, he was supposed to be the guy bigger than David, super strong, take it all. And he's just leaving him in prison to suffer. So, John is doubting his faith in a really rough time of his life. Does it sound familiar? Do we do that? I know I do that quite often. Uh, not quite often. More times than I like to admit, though. But, especially when I was writing this, this sermon, and I was sitting there, and I've figured out what passage I wanted to uh, preach on. I was like, God, I need your help to decide where I need to go with this. I just, I see what you have here for me, but I need, I need to go more. And I sat there, and I sat there. I was like, God, are you not going to help me? Hours, days went by, and I was like, God, are you not going to help me? Like, I just need guidance here. Just a little bit. That's all I need is a little bit, and I'll get there. And... I just sat there, 
And I sat there, and I sat there, and I, nothing ever, nothing ever happened. But was it that God wasn't listening? Or was it me not looking in the right place? When it comes down to it, it was me not looking to the right place because God was working in my life. God has put people in my life that could help me through this. Uh, my mentor, Matt, he was there the whole time, but I never went to the problem with him. I never called him, never sent him a text. Never, and he could help me through and get going a little bit because when, when I finally got to the point where I was like, Matt, I need help. I'm struggling big time. I can't, I can't get there. All he had to do is help a couple things. He pointed me in the right direction, and I, and I went. And it made things way easier because he gave me an idea of where to go and, and see just different problems that I, or what questions to ask instead of just asking God to give it to me. So instead of give, give me, he said, go look. So that leads me to our next worship, worship handout. Next blank in here, it says, just because God is silent doesn't mean that God is absent. So, John believes since Jesus isn't taking over and busting him out of jail, that he isn't the Messiah. It means that he just thinks, you're not taking care of my problems, you can't be the, you can't be the one that we're supposed to, that's supposed to come save us all. So, and this is how we think a lot. If God doesn't pull us out of a situation that we've got ourselves into, then God must not be a real God. Like, we get to that point sometimes, right? Even though we, we've had in the past, God's worked things out for us and shown us things, we, get, we still go to the point of being, you, you just can't be, the, you're not all powerful. You can't be it. But, God loves us, and he can't fail, but he's like a good parent. A good parent doesn't just, take all the kids' problems and just let them go and help them through all. He lets, lets us go through life. Yes, we mess up, and, but he teaches us how to deal with it instead of just taking it away. We have to work our way through it, become better from it, and we can help others as we go along. So, back in Mark chapter 6, we're going to go to verse 21. It says, Herodias' chance finally came on Herod's birthday. He gave a party for his high government officials, army officers, and leading citizens of Galilee. So, right here, John is, or Herod is throwing a big party for his birthday. He's not the big, he's not, he didn't invite any of the Roman government to come that he, work, he works for, you know. Like, he only invited people that were below him. So, they kind of, so he could just show off of what all he had. So they, they probably had the best food, probably the best music, whatever they listened to, and they probably had the be best wine because he was the king. He had the best of everything. And so they probably got going and probably was drinking a little bit too much. When, you, when you're that high, and they are, we've already stated that he thinks he's above the law, so... He's like, so they're probably getting a little drunk, and then he comes a little bit more showy. His, his, it goes on in 22. It says, then his daughter, also named Herodias, still don't get why that's such a popular name back then, but uh, came in and performed a dance 
that greatly pleased Herod and his guests. He said, ask me for anything you like, and I'll give it to you. He even vowed, I will give you whatever you ask up to half my kingdom. So, I thought this was a pretty big promise, saying he would give you half, half your kingdom. And more I read into it, it really was a play on words back then, was what they were saying. He really wouldn't have gave up any part of his kingdom, but he's saying, anything in my king- kingdom you can have. And he probably didn't expect what she was going to do next, but he was trying to show off in front of his, all of his friends that are there. He's like, look what I can do. I can, get, I can do this and still be powerful. You know, like, so, have you ever bit off more than you can chew? Maybe, as a kid, I like to remember as a kid, maybe you're riding your bikes down the road, come across a creek, and your friends go, bet you can't jump that. And what do you do? You say, oh yeah, I can. I can do that, no problem. And they said, prove it. And then you're like, all right, uh, I, I don't really want to do it right now. And then what do they say right next? I triple dog dare you. <laughs> and you know you can't back out of, of a triple dog dare. That's, you can't do that. You, first two you can probably do, but they'll jump right to the triple dog dare. And so you have to do it. And you're like, and now you're thinking in your head, oh man, now what do I do? I, can't, I have to do it. So you do it, and what happens? You end up getting hurt or something, like, or you, you succeed. And then they're like, oh, I bet you can't do it again. And then you get hurt. <laughs> so this, at this point is when I was thinking of our, one of our mentoring verses that comes up a lot in my life and has several times. It's First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. So, that not this extremely true? You might be a good person all around, but if someone that's a bad influence comes in your life, what happens? You, you normally shape your life around their ba- the bad influence. It's kind of, it comes with it. It kind of just comes part of you, almost. So, just like when you're getting ready to jump that creek, your friends are pressuring you to do it, you're going to do it. Like, a lot of times, it's really hard. So, your next blank in your uh, worship handout is when God seems not to make sense, it is us that is in the way. So that's what, what I'm trying to say here is when we don't see God working in our lives, when we're praying and asking and nothing ever, he doesn't ever seem to answer, answer us, it's normally not God that's not there. He doesn't leave. It's normally us not looking in the right places, not looking in the right direction. Or maybe bringing in too much bad influence and not, and not putting out enough good. I know there's been several times in my life where I've had to cut friends because they weren't good influences on me. And I mean, they were probably the bestest of friends like I could have had. But... Uh, but I had to cut them. Was it easy? 
No. It was probably one of the hardest things for me to do is cut a friend. They knew things about me that most people didn't. And I don't like that being out there. But to grow and see God's plan, how, how, where he wanted me to go, I had to separate myself from that life. You know? So as we go on, yes, I shut some doors and left those guys alone, but new people came into my life that were seeking God's will just as much as I was, if not more. And that helped me grow and be better. goes on in, chapter, in Mark, verse 24. It says, She went out and asked her mother, What should I ask for? Her mother told her, Ask for the head of John the Baptist. She's using her daughter to get something she wants done. She must be one angry woman. And she'll do anything that she can to get what, get what she wants. So the girl hurried back to the king and told him, I want the head of John the Baptist right now on a tray. So at this point, um, King Herod's probably going, Oh crap, what have I done? He's like, what do I do? I already said in front of all of my friends here that I'll do it. this is like getting triple dog dared at this point. He can't back out. So in 26 it says, Then the king deeply regretted what he had said. But because of his vows he made in front of his guests, he couldn't refuse her. So Herod thought he was doing something great with offering her up to half his kingdom. But was he? He quickly found out that it backfired. And he, had to, and he couldn't back out of it. But he wasn't being a very good parent at this point either. You don't have to be, do what your kids say if you're the parent. It's the reason that, you, that God made you bigger than the kid. <laughs> Mike used to always say that. But if he would have been a parent like he should have, he would have shown her how to be better. How to, showed her why it was a wrong thing to do. But instead he just let, let it happen. So your last blanks in your worship handout is... You do not need to know God's plan to trust in Him. I know it's, trusting can be a very hard thing, especially in someone that you can't see, right? Can't talk to. I mean, you can, talk, you can pray to Him, but does He always answer audibly back? I haven't got an audible answer back yet. But it's hard for Him. It's hard to trust something that you can't see. A couple years ago, two years ago, I was I lost my job. I was a temp at a, and I lost. I was working to be full time, and I thought I did a great job all the time. You know, I did my best trying to get on, and that fell through, and I got laid off, which was fine. I mean, I was like, oh well, now what do I do? So I started looking for jobs. I'd get a job. 
be like a, just a one-day job or maybe two-week job and then they didn't need me anymore. Or, and then I finally found a job that I really liked. I was like, oh, this is a job that I can keep for a while. I mean, it'll help me get through what I need. And just to have two weeks later say, hey, we're shutting down this facility. You can come down with us if you want, but you'd have to drive an hour to, be, to come to work and then drive all day too. And I was like, as much as I liked the job, I couldn't do that. It would be too stressful. But finally I had to get to the point of letting God shape where I needed to go. I finally got back into church where I needed to be and got plugged in where I needed to be. And God quickly showed me where I needed to go and what. And he gave me this job that I have now, which might not be the best job in the world. And I might not like it all the time, but it allowed me to connect with God, or connect with God, come to church, get in a connect group, go to celebrate recovery for a long time, and through all these things together, and, that, and which led me into being the youth leader, that, which turned into being an intern pastor here, and puts me right here. So me losing that first job, I was like, God, you just can't be in this. To the point that God showed me everything. Like, yes, looking back on it now, God was there the whole time. And I just didn't trust him enough to follow him at the time. So, we need to stop thinking that God's a genie in our situations, in our lives. Like, when we come in something, we can't just expect God just to take it away from us all the time. Because that's not how he works. Like I said, he's a good parent. He teaches. So, when we get to a rough situation, or a hard situation, we need to stop asking God, take this away. And, I mean, ask him that. But he's going to give you someone to help you get through it. Not necessarily take it away just like that. He's going to help you work your way through that. So we need to stop thinking he has abandoned us and look for how we can grow in that situation. Alright, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for just allowing me to be up here just to speak, that you could speak through me, Lord. Lord, I just pray that as we go off, that we can start trusting you more and look for you in every situation and maybe look for the look to the people that we need to be looking at and looking for guidance from the people that you put in our lives. Lord, I just pray that you bless bless our time. Like Lord, I just pray that you bless us with good situations, but when we get to that bad situation that we can truly look for you in that situation. And in your name, amen.